So, uh, yeah, if you would, please uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be uh, continuing our journey through the book of Ephesians, looking at verses 17 through 24 today. Uh, last week, Pastor Gunner talked about the uh, church offices and gifts uh, that each believer has been given uh, in Christ through the Holy Spirit, and how these gifts are for building up the church in unity and in love and equipping the church to carry out the Great Commission, which is to proclaim the gospel and to uh, just to see the glory of the Lord fill the earth. And uh, that um, commission continues to us believers today. And uh, today we're going to be looking into the differences that should be observed in our lives and how our old self and um, many of which we see in unbelievers today should very much differ uh, from our new lives in Christ. So, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every and every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this wonderful opportunity to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ to come to your word, to listen, to sit under the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would open up my mouth to uh, proclaim your word truthfully and effectively, Lord, and that you would open our ears to hear your word, our minds to understand and comprehend your word, and Lord, our hearts to receive your word, that it would go down to the deeps of our very being, Lord, and, and permeate into every area of our life. So we thank you and praise you and ask these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, again, uh, just kicking things off here in verse uh, 17, Paul says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And so Paul here is, is doubling down. He, he says, this I say and testify. You know, they say, you know, if, if somebody says, listen, you should listen. If they say, listen, no, really listen, well, then we should really listen. So he says, this I say and testify. So when he says testify, he's saying, look, this is not only something that I'm telling you to do, this is something that I have walked out in my own life as well. And so that's, that's a call for each of us. Um, we're to be ambassadors for Christ. We're to uh, have a testimony that we share of the work that God is doing in our lives. And so when we share the gospel, when we say, hey, this is what the word says, this is what God's word says, we should also be able to say, and, and I can testify to it. I can testify to its work in my life. Um, and he continues, he says, 
you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. And again, as we recall, looking back earlier, um, particularly in chapters 2 and uh, um, just continuing through our journey in Ephesians, we remember that uh, the Apostle Paul, you know, the the church here in Ephesus was um, largely uh, Greco-Roman influence, um, very little Jewish influence on the gospel being uh, spread here at the time. And so a lot of the church was made up of Gentiles. And and there were some uh, Jewish converts that were there, and, and so Paul had kind of addressed some correction and, and doctrinal teaching uh, early in Ephesians. But when he comes here, he's reminding them, hey, no, we're not to continue walking like we previously did. Again, in... Um, in chapter two, he he talks about you know we used to walk in the flesh. We used to walk as the Gentiles do, uh, but no longer. Um, and uh, you know it's contrasting to um, yeah two verse one is walk in the manner worthy of the call. You know Ephesians two one. You know Paul said, hey, we as believers are to walk in a manner worthy of the call, and so he's drawing. Uh, he's kind of referring back to chapter 2 by kind of reinforcing this difference that we should have as believers, as followers of Christ, of walking in the flesh in our old lives and walking in our new life in Christ. And uh, another great, um, again, just the continuity of God's Word, I uh, want to take us to Romans chapter 1. Uh, does a good job of, of really Paul expands what that um, walking in the flesh, what that living as Gentiles was. And, it, you know, it's it's important for us because not only in our own lives, but we shouldn't be surprised when we see the world around us um, living the way it is and, and choosing the uh, path the way that it is. And so um, in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 uh, beginning in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And then Paul continues on talking about how because of their um, their rejection of God's word and his truth, even in the created order, that God gave them over to their desires to pursue the lusts of the flesh and um, the just that the the sad reality of, of what we see in much of the world around around us in our culture today uh, that doesn't know God. It's, 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 we know that Scripture teaches that a life without Christ, it's inevitably, you know, we're lost in darkness. And so um, 
Paul is again reminding that, hey, this, this is the past. This is the way the Gentiles walk um, for unbelievers. And, and again, that's what we see a lot today. Um, but one of the key things in here is, is that Paul says both here in Ephesians 4, but then we also saw in Romans 1, is the futility of the mind. And again, that's a reminder that uh, wrong lines of conduct flow from wrong ideas about God. And so that's uh, important. That if we don't have God's word in our hearts, in our minds, teaching us what is good and pleasing will of God in our lives, then then we will be left to the futility of our own minds. Um, I don't know about y'all, but uh, I know that you know my mind is is futile compared to God's mind. And uh, I'm reminded of a, a a brother, a dear brother, that said, "Hey, our our minds compared to God's mind, we have have pea sized uh, brains." And so, yes, we're left to the uh, futility of our minds without Christ. And then continuing on, it says, darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And again, um, we look at, you know, the, um, they're darkened in their understanding, and that's due to them being alienated from the life of God. And what's interesting is when we look at um, this ignorance, it's not just an ignorance of, you know, due to lack of knowledge. No, this ignorance is a willful, willful ignorance. It's knowing the truth and yet ignoring it, choosing to turn away from God's truth. And it is, um, you know, and it's, it's true. It's, it was true then and it's true today. You know, we look at, um, it's easy for us to look back on the past and think like, oh, well, you know, that's, you know, ancient, uh, you know, Greece, Roman uh, Empire, you know, we, we're modern, we, we know better, you know, we've got uh, science. But, you know, the reality is, like, there were a lot of brilliant minds back then. And in fact, a lot of our philosophy, and, and sadly, a lot of the secular, um, non-Christ-rooted uh, philosophy that permeates in our culture today, it's not new. It was around then. It's just being repackaged into something different today. And uh, we know that from, you know, any uh, anybody that's, you know, dabbled in philosophy knows that, man, their go-tos are, are a lot of the Greco-Roman philosophers. You know, think of um, Aristotle, Socrates, you know, I won't, won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, but, you know, some of those, you know, some where it was in line with God's word, you know, some good teaching. But we know that when it departed from God's word, well, then that led down the inevitable road of destruction. And again, it's not because of ignorance, of a, um, an accidental ignorance, it's a willful ignorance. And again, Romans one twenty eight it says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And this hardness of heart that we see here in this passage, it, it uh, reminds us of Exodus when, in talking about Pharaoh and how, uh, you know, God both hardened Pharaoh's heart, but then Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so we, we are reminded, we're cautioned to that, that hardness of heart that, that even we can become, um, susceptible to if we're not staying plugged into God's word, if we're not spending time feasting on his word, spending time being connected with godly Christian fellowship. And, uh, 
you know, and being sensitive and to the uh, the soft whisper of the Holy Spirit, and uh, and sometimes you know the uh, by God's grace the the loud shouts of "Hey, turn away." <laughs> um, but continuing on in verse nineteen, it says they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And again, this this callousness, um, you know, I, I think about that. You know, it's it's funny before. Moving here to Valley Center, uh, my hands were not as callous uh, because, you know, as a as a Navy chaplain, yes, when I was on the ship, I got some calluses from, you know, going up and down the ladder well. But, man, since moving out here and my wife has this, you know, uh, adventuring into homesteading and, you know, building, you know, chicken coops and runs and, uh, you know, all this stuff. I'm getting more callous hands. And, uh, you know, it's 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 funny to think about, but but the caution is, you know, we know that callousness, we lose that sensitivity. And what scripture warns us throughout the entire scripture, Old Testament, continuing on to New Testament, is that warning of us to not have callous hearts. And that is where, again, Paul is saying they have become callous. Their minds are callous. Their hearts are callous. They're no longer sensitive to the to God's word, to the Holy Spirit, to uh, God's law that is is by us being created in the image of God. It's innate in our hearts. And yes, we have the sinful nature that we're, we as believers are still um, called to put to death uh, daily. Unbelievers, they, do, they don't have that at work. And so that, that callousness just has taken over them and their, their hearts remain hardened. It's against common sense and natural law. Again, we look around at the world today and we think, man, why in the world? How can somebody even think that that's okay? Well, again, if you do a little bit of study into the Greco-Roman um, ethics and morality back in the day, it's there's nothing new under the sun. We're seeing a lot happen today that was happening back then, again, because of the callousness of hearts and people not living according to the love and the law of God's word. And, it, you know, again, continuing with that, that understanding of, of callousness and losing the sensitivity, we look at 1 Timothy 4.2, where Paul talks about um, unbelievers who have a conscience that is seared. I mean, you think, you know, calluses are bad. Man, if you, if you, any of us that have, have a burn, man, you know that that uh that burning man that scar oof that's it's it's even less sensitive than than a callous area is and so we think about a conscience that is seared it means like man there's it's no longer sensitive at all and so that's that's what paul is is cautioning us against by setting this contrast of the old life no longer living as the gentiles do and again that's a bit different than when we looked at you know, Paul talking about the, the unbelieving Jews, they knew God's law. They had God's law given to them um, in a very unique and mighty way. And the promises that, of the coming Messiah through the chosen people of Israel, and that is who we as, as uh, be- Christian believers who accepted Christ, we are the, the new spiritual Israel. But the Jews, they had God's law, and they, rather than following it with, um, with the integrity of spirit and truth, you know, they fell into the trappings of legalism. And through that, 
pride and legalism, they had rejected um, Christ. And so there's those two warnings. You know, Paul is focusing on the the Gentile community and church there in Ephesus, and really, as uh, as Pastor Gunner did a good job, you know, he's he's done throughout this series is like. You know who here uh, comes from a, a Jewish background, and I know there's a handful of us, but most of us are Gentiles, so um, and come from a Gentile background. And so again, this this warning, especially in our very much Gentile uh, culture that we're living in today, that's that warning is is for us, for each and every one of us here today. And then we see this transition in verse 20. Again, Paul is talking about the old life and not warning us to not walk as the Gentiles do. And as we once did, if we recall uh, chapter 2, Paul makes this pivot in, in verse 20. He says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. And that's a, a good reminder that though this is the former life that Paul is warning us, the the believers, the Christians, the church of Ephesus, they now knew better. And for us today, that we've been, for those of us who have been sitting underneath the teaching of the word and, and that have committed our lives to Christ and have the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we, we know better. And, uh, and yet sometimes, even though we know better, we don't always act on, on what we know. Um, but it's important, you know, this, this reminder that that is not the way you learn Christ. And so it's a good, good thing for us to reflect and pause, you know, how is the way or what is the way that we learn Christ? You know, I think it's good, you know, we talk about uh, testimony, remembering, man, how did we come to know Christ? You know, and, 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 you know, that, that sweet, that precious moment, you know, for, for some, it may have been that radical conversion out of just a, you know, a very much in line with the Gentile uh, background that, that Paul discussed. And then some of us, you know, it may have been we grew up in the church and kind of uh, knew, had been taught God's word, uh, but it wasn't until that turning point where we really recognized, hey, this is, this is a faith that I'm claiming as my own. You know, that's a, the prayer for every one of us uh, Christian parents is, is for our own children to come to that uh, realization and to accept, hey, this is this Christ that I've learned about. He's my Savior. He is my Lord and Savior. And continuing on in verse 21, it says, Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ Jesus. And again, you know, a lot of that, that, uh, phrase assuming that you have heard, you know, sometimes, you know, we've heard, uh, you know, the, the problem about assumptions. So it's like, oh man, Paul, why are you making this assumption? Well, when we look at the, uh, the actual, um, you know, the Greek translation of, of that phrase, it's more like him saying, if so being that you have heard, which sounds a little clunky, um, but it's more, Paul is not saying, I'm assuming that you have heard, but he's saying, if you have heard, uh, the gospel, if you have heard Christ taught, then this is what you know. This is the new life that we're called to live. And it says that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ Jesus. And again, we we come back to the the root of the gospel, the foundation of the gospel time and time again, and that's Christ. Christ coming, uh, condescending to us, taking on human flesh, living a perfect life, 
going to the cross, dying on the cross for our sins, and not just dying on the cross for our sins, but raising from the dead, conquering sin and death, granting us, those who put our faith and trust in him, that new life, that new life that we're promised, so that we can turn away from our old lives and put on this new Christ, this new life in Christ Jesus. In 22, it says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. You know, it's to put off your old self. I love that imagery that he's saying, you know, it's like taking off dirty garments, like taking off an old coat. And, you know, I'm jumping ahead a little bit to verse 24, but when we look at this, this imagery of, you know, taking off the, the old self and putting on Christ, I'm reminded of Jesus' parable of the wedding feast from Matthew 22. You know, a lot of times the, the focus, the emphasis is on the first half of that parable where, you know, um, where Jesus is talking about, you know, the, the master, you know, sends the messengers out to invite the people to come to this um, this wedding, this wedding feast, this banquet, and you know the different people give up different excuses. They're like, "Oh, well, I can't do this because I'm busy. Oh, I can't. I really wish I could be there, but I can't." And so they're making all these excuses. The master's upset um, and says, "You know what? Go out to the highways and and proclaim the the news that hey, there's this wedding feast uh, happening and." And so, you know, they do that and their winds up, they fill the, uh, the banquet hall of the wedding feast, not with the original people that were invited, but with those that the gospel had went out and they responded to. That's the first half. The second half that we often can skip over is this like short little, um, part of this uh, parable where it talks about a man being caught at the banquet, at the wedding feast, with n- not being in wedding garments. And we kind of look at that and we're like, man, what's that about? Like, man, that seems pretty hard. Somebody shows up and, and they're not wearing uh, the right clothes, so they're, they're getting kicked out of the banquet. Like, oh man, like, good thing, you know, our church, we're, we're worried about, you know, the N-word and, you know, show up as you are. Uh, but that again, we we can get lost in and miss the point. The point in that was that those wedding garments had been provided by the host, and this person shows up, and they are saying, "You know what? I don't need to to wear that. I'm going to you know show up the way I want to show up." And uh, and so they were when they were caught, you know, hey, why are you not you know dressed like everybody else? Why are you? refusing to to join in the celebration it was not recognized as like a, oh man those those people they just didn't have you know a nice clothes to wear for a wedding no that that was not the context the context was they chose to show up in something different rejecting the the wedding garments and and really which would have been a, a huge offense um to it's like i may butcher this analogy so bear with me but uh it's it's not carried out a lot as much these days that I've seen. But in the past, like a wedding, um, you typically had like, you had the the bride's colors and then you had like the groom's colors. And so it was like a big deal to show up and, and you know, the coloring of, you know, which side of the family you're with. And if somebody showed up with like 
a com- like a crazy color that was like clash with either side of those, and it was like it was a big deal, especially for uh, for uh, I better not go where I was going to go. I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> you know, some of us have experienced some bridezillas um, in in our days, and uh, so yeah, I said it. You can throw some rotten tomatoes at me, um, but like that was a big deal. Like, and it would it would take away from the focus on the bride and the groom and this being a celebration of the of the wedding of this marriage and it was like showing up and saying like you know what don't look at them look at me and so it was an issue of pride uh and so that's um that's a reminder to us today when it talks about in taking off the old self and putting on Christ a lot of times our pride we try to, you know, put on that, that old coat, that old self, you know. Paul does a great job also where he says, my righteousness were as filthy rags, you know. And it's easy for us to, you know, to look to our, our, our flesh, our sinful nature and, and to, to try to grab things that, you know, make us, uh, feel like, oh, like, oh, I'm, I'm somebody, I'm something. And so we grab hold of those things. And if we're not grabbing hold of Christ, then whatever we're grabbing hold of is is of sin. It's of our our flesh, and so it's a reminder that man, we are not to put on the old self. We're to cast it off. We're to take it off. And sometimes it, you know it'll creep up and it'll you know jump on us. And uh, and we got to remember, like, oh man, when we when we notice that, we got to take it off and and put on Christ. And uh, and so that's you know. Again, Galatians 5.24, it says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so I think about that, like going to the, the, the code analogy, like our sinful flesh, it likes to try to come and, and jump back on us. And, uh, and so like if you got crucified, it means you take that old, that old coat and you, you nail it to the wall so that it can't creep up on you again. And, and you put on Christ and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds in verse 23. And, and um, again, hearkens to Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In Colossians 3.10 says, And put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so again, it's, it's that understanding that, um, when we're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, you know, that doesn't happen on our own. That doesn't happen on, you know, us just, you know, sitting there and, you know, scrolling through, you know, Facebook and Instagram or, or whatever it is, or, or even doing other things that are, uh, maybe somewhat more constructive, but is, we're not feeding our minds and our hearts through God's word. That's what Paul's talking about is, is that's being transformed by the renewal of our mind, um, through God's word, through the work of the Holy Spirit, so that we can tell when that old flesh is trying to creep up on us or when the, the temptations of the world, the flesh and the devil are, are coming. If our minds are transformed and are renewed by God's word, then we're able to identify that and we're able to discern truth from error. You know, I was talking with a, a brother before the service and we, uh, see sadly, uh, you know, some, uh, churches today, um, historically 
were founded and in line with God's word, but as they have become, as they have departed from God's word as the foundation of good doctrine and Christian living and have tried to be, you know, familiar or, you know, trying to really be more um, acceptable to the world, man, we've seen just a sad departure of, of some of those denominations departing from the truth and integrity of God's word. And it's easy for us to cast stones at them, but we need to take a look in our own lives and make sure like, hey, are we, are we walking the talk? Are we making sure that we have God's word in our minds, in our hearts, to where that we can recognize truth from error and not only recognize it, but make sure that we're walking the, the walk and not just talking the talk. And then uh, lastly for today, in, in verse 24, it says, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And again, putting on the new self, putting on Christ. We've taken off the old. If we just take off the old and don't put anything on new, well, we know what, what that leaves us as. And and uh, so we're to put on, yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, leaves us naked. So we're to put on Christ. And uh, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And and that's, that's a, again, the... The, going back to the the um, the parable of the wedding feast, you know, it was also hearkening to Revelation when we are reminded that you know when we put on Christ, when we have our glorified bodies, we'll, our garments will be washed in the blood of the Lamb. That will be uh, you know wearing. I don't know if it will be like a literal you know white robes that we're all walking around in, but it's that imagery of that new, clean, unblemished garment in Christ, uh, that righteousness and holiness um, that allows us to stand before God blameless. Again, it's not by our own doing because Paul says our his righteousness is, is filthy rags. Our own righteousness in our own doing is stained by sin. Even the best of our efforts, if not um, done in Christ, is is worthless. It's meaningless. It's, it's stinky rags. Uh, but when we put on this new self, we put on Christ, we have that righteousness and holiness that allows us to stand before God and allows us to stand against the, the, uh, the devil that would throw stones and say like, hey, you screwed up. Hey, you failed. Hey, your, your faith is meaningless. You, you, you've messed up too many times. It's like, no, my righteousness, I'm putting on not my own pride and my own uh, works. I'm putting on what Christ did on the cross, and that is what allows us to put on the righteous and holy new life. And what beautiful assurance that it's not by our works, but Christ. And uh, and the what that looks like, what walking out the new life in Christ looks like. Uh, Brother John will be uh, diving into uh, more next week. Uh, but it's a reminder for us. Um, you know, I, I think about, you know, putting on a new wardrobe. Um, how many of y'all have, have seen those shows where, you know, they have uh, a family member, you know, signs somebody up and, you know, this team shows up to their house and they take their old wardrobe and they throw it all out and they, you know, buy them a whole new wardrobe. Some of us were like, oh, you know, that's, it, it makes us, it's cringe, but, 
when some of those people like man it's it's an incredible transformation that you see you know some of the they've just been caught into a a trapping of of old living where they've just been um you know wearing um you know things that that are either just uh old or you know I'm not a fashion expert by any means so I was like man I hope nobody signs me up to that someday um but but to see like some of them it's 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 just something that they've gotten so accustomed to that they don't know any better and when they are taken out of of that and they're giving a new wardrobe and they are given you know a a haircut um you know a makeover for for some of these people like it is it's transforming because they're like they they couldn't imagine this new life that this new image that they ha- have and that's a just a glimpse of the impact that the physical uh side of things like how much more for those of us that are putting on Christ that radical transformation that that goes way beyond the the surface that transforms our minds and our hearts and our very lives that's what we're called to to live and and to to walk out, and so so the next part of it, yes, we we now understand um, this passage a bit more. But so what? What does that mean for us as as a church today? What does that mean for us believers? Well, you know, a few few takeaways is is again this caution against the pursuit of man's knowledge versus God's truth. Again, it's not that pursuing. You know, uh, academia. Uh, sometimes the church has been so fearful of of studying science or you know different areas of of study that we're you know worried that somehow it's going to collide with the gospel. Well, the reality is, bless you, all truth is God's truth, and so we we should be excited. We as uh, Christians, we should be the most um, dutiful in studying. Uh, whatever field it is that God's gifted you in, whether it's being a, a student of history, whether it's being a student of science, but being able to see, hey, we're not doing it just to fill our own egos or even just to pursue the interests of man. No, we do it because we're seeing a way to uh, proclaim God's glory. And when that is our foundation, then we should be excited to do that. And uh, But it is a caution. You know, again, we look at Ecclesiastes, you know, um, doing all of these different things, pursuing um, the the knowledge of man, building all of these things. If it's not done for the glory of God, it's chasing after the wind. It's vanity of vanities, and so that's a reminder for us as as we walk in this new life that we do so not pursuing knowledge for knowledge's sake, but pursuing it, pursuing knowledge and wisdom. Uh, through Christ, so that we can bring Him glory in our in how we live at our lives. The second warning is again, as we looked at the the callousness of the Gentiles, it's a warning for us to to be sensitive, to make sure that we're spending time in worship, that we're spending time um, in God's Word, uh, that we're spending time with brothers and sisters that are strengthening us and encouraging us in it. Um, helping to equip us as we looked at uh, the passage last week um, so that we don't wind up becoming callous and falling um, into the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then thirdly, again, it's that that call for us as believers to have a renewing of our minds. You know, one of my uh, 
uh, favorite um, modern theologians. He passed away a, a few years back, uh, R.C. Sproul. Um, he had a podcast that you can still listen to today, uh, one of my uh, go-tos for my commute uh, in the morning. It's called Renewing Your Mind. And he started that, you know, based off of um, these these passages in Scripture of the importance that we are not allowing the world to brainwash us, but that we are having our our minds uh, renewed through God's word, and so that we can discern truth from lie, so that we can discern the temptations of the world and the flesh and the devil from what God's word says is good and beautiful and true. And I, I think about, you know, um, again, throughout the Gospels, and even Jesus was echoing uh, the the call from Deuteronomy. It says, we're to love God with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. And a lot of times, again, we can get uh, caught in the trapping of like, well, you know, our spirit is secure, and so we really don't need to worry about our mind so much. Like, no, God's Word teaches that our body mind and spirit it's all interconnected like that and that's that's something that we need to hold fast to that we're to be good stewards of our mind of our bodies and of our our spirit and so that means there's a responsibility for us and we need to take that seriously and then we look at you know the battle of the mind that's that's where temptation starts is is that you know making sure that we are taking every thought captive and submitting it to Christ that requires us being alert. It requires us being active. Uh, one of the big things in, in my counseling sessions, um, I'm a, for those of you who don't know, I'm a Navy chaplain, and so much that I see are folks that come in and they have this, they have no understanding of a disciplined mind. They think that any thought that comes in, they have no ability but to just let it run out of control in their minds. And so just this notion of us being active and being able to take thoughts captive like that's foreign to them but we we know christ we've been taught christ we've been taught god's word and so we have that call to take those thoughts captive and and to submit them to christ and make sure that we are filling our minds with good things with god's word and not just consuming the things that the world would have us to and again that's not I'm not, you know, saying like, oh, well, you shouldn't watch this, you shouldn't watch this. You know, that's that's between you and the Lord. And I'm not calling, uh, I'm not providing a call to legalism, uh, not legalistic, but I am saying, hey, let's be realistic um, with with what we are consuming. Um, and then lastly, I'll, and I'll close it with this, is, you know, a question for each and every one of us today is, what are we wearing I'm not talking about this, but are we wearing our old self, our sin nature, or are we putting on Christ? This is an active action, a continual choice, like choosing what you want to wear each day. For some of us, like we have the luxury of just going in and saying like, oh, that looks nice. I'm going to put that on today. For me, you know, when I'm going to work, it's easy. I have one thing to, that I choose to put on, um, and, um, but that's that's a mindset, right? Is is when we wake up each morning, we have that choice. What am I going to put on today? Well, that's our choice in our spiritual life as well. We need to wake up each day and say, "Am I going to put on the flesh, or am I going to put on Christ?" 
In 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And so that's a reminder that when we put on Christ, it should be good to those around us. You know, again, when we put on Christ, we're putting on the fruit of the Spirit. We are putting on God's love, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness that we have received. We wear that proudly, not because of our own pride, but because of the glory of God and the grace that we have received. And when we put on Christ, people should be able to say, hey, you're wearing something different than everybody else. And that is a good thing. And and that allows us to um, engage them in sharing the gospel so that they can don the don the new life in Christ as well. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't help but just think the, uh, providentially of, of the song, Are You Washed in the Blood? Oh, man, I was like in tears when we were singing that this morning because it's, it's just such a beautiful reminder that when we're called to put on the new life, new life in Christ, we're washed in the blood. And so let's make sure that we do that, put on Christ each and every day. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that you have called us from our old lives, Lord. Called us from uh, past full of pain, of heartache. Lord, for some of us, um, just a past of, of pride, of self-righteousness, Lord. Wherever we came from, Lord, we are thankful that you have called us out of our old life, Lord. And so we ask that you would just continue work in and through our lives. Quicken our hearts, Lord. Soften our hearts through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would not grow callous, but we would be sensitive to the leading of your word and that people would be able to taste and see that you are good by the way that we live our lives for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.